the most beautiful place in the world, where a Tar Heel blue sky blankets Murphy on its way to the Tennessee border. It's a long way from Raleigh and the Outer Banks, but we're living in Carolina too. In fact, you might call it Extreme Carolina. With more, here's Michael Borkman. Welcome, welcome to Extreme Carolina, everyone. The show that focuses on great people with doing great stories who prove in their everyday lives that anything is possible. We strive to bring you relatable life lessons from interesting and inspiring people as they live out their purpose on this earth. Folks, get ready. It's time for some good news that you can use. And I tell you what, we got some good news today. We got a young lady that is just doing good news all over the world, especially now with uh, with all this social media stuff going on. She's doing amazing, and she has done some awesome stuff that people are reaching out to her, wanting her to bring her program that her and her mother put together. And we're going to let her tell you about that. But anyway, let's just give a warm, warm, extreme Carolina welcome to my new <laughs> friend, Miss Loretta Vinny. And Loretta, good morning. Hey, welcome to Extreme Carolina. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I'm what? really excited to be here. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I tell you what, your cousin was determined that you was going to be on Extreme Carolina. I mean, <laughs> Don't you mess with Willette White. That's right. <laughs> she wasn't playing. She said, okay, now, I ain't heard nothing. Have you called her? Is y'all connected? <laughs> but she is amazing. She's a great lady in her own right. So shout outs and kud- shout outs and kudos to your cousin, Miss. Yes, cousin. Yes, right. Okay. All right. <laughs> now we got you today. So let's talk about you a little bit. Let's see why you are on this show. Why are you <laughs> on Extreme Carolina? Because everybody knows we only have people on the show that are doing positive, motivating, uplifting things with their life. And so yeah. we understand that you're doing some amazing stuff in the in the realm of dementia and caregiving. So you're right. doing some awesome, awesome stuff. And I also understand you've done over 300 speeches and presentations <laughs> on that yeah. type of thing. Is, is that right? That is true. I mean, you you must don't see your kin folks or your dog or nothing. Your dog or nobody see you because you, you are giving presentations. That's exactly why I don't have a dog, because the dog <laughs> would never see me. Yeah, it would, that would be a bad thing. Well, let me well let me ask you this. The the question is, so how did you get into this thing of dementia and caregiving? I mean, because right. you you so, really you didn't grow up being a caregiver. I mean, it's just something that happened, or how did you come about? How did that happen? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think everybody you know sort of grows up being a caregiver in a way. You know, when you mm-hmm. really think about it, if you did something with your grandmother, I was born in my grandparents' house, so okay. we. Um, did a lot of stuff with them and, and, you know, as they got older, but it's not something you readily think about. And so right. I started giving the presentations after my mom was diagnosed with um, dementia in 2006. Mm-hmm. And I have to be, I'm be a thousand percent honest. The, the scariest thing is a scary diagnosis for sure. Right. But the scariest thing for me was when he said you have dementia. My first thought was this woman is going to outlive my money. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, they live forever in our family. And right. so um, I think what most people uh, don't ever think about is the financial piece of it. So I started speaking, in all honesty, to help pay for my mother's care. It's, nice. it's that. Yeah. Wow. OK, so 
when you heard that the doctor told you, okay, this is what you got. And, and, and when, so what you knew about dementia is that they live a long time. And how did you mean when you say it's going to outlive your money? I don't understand. So I mean that in our family, they live a long time. My great grandmother lived to be 106. And so my mother was 77 when she was diagnosed. And I'm bad at math, but I know there's a long way between 77 and 100 <laughs> and being a caregiver and, you know, especially dementia and where they're going to live. And mm-hmm. so if you look at mem- most memory care facilities, they cost a lot of money. And if you haven't planned for that kind of thing, mm-hmm. then you could be out of luck. And my mother had yeah. very limited income. And so I knew this is probably going to be nowhere near the money she's going to need. And, you know, I, I, one of the things that scares you, um, you know, about the disease is you have no idea how it's going to go because everybody's journey is vastly different. Okay. You no, know, she could live by herself for 10 years, which she didn't, or you could have to move her tomorrow, you know, depending on how fast the cognitive, you know, decline is. Mm-hmm. And so that was the fear, you know, how are we going to, you know, pay? We hadn't talked about where she wanted to live. The only thing my mother made sure of was that uh, she made us sign, my sister and I signed a document that said we would not force her to live with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Now that. Yeah, and, and, you know, and I held to that. And so we found a group home for her when she could no longer live alone, which was three years into her diagnosis. So 2009, right. we had to move her when she could no longer find her way back to her non-assisted living apartment. And that's okay. when, you know, you know, it's time to go. Right. So we moved her into a group home. And then as those prices increase, that's when, you know, you start to think to yourself. Mm. And so I wrote the first book, Being My Mom's Mom, and started speaking along with that. Uh-huh. A, to have money to pay for her care, but B, to help families avoid what we did. Don't sit and wait for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Start to talk now. Michael, where do you want to live when you get old? And so we have that discussion. Is it a tough discussion? Yes. Is it a necessary discussion? Yes. Okay. And so I've been talking to some of those 300 speeches have been to millennials that say, have a family meeting like right now, Mm -hmm. because if they say, Oh, I'd love to live in that memory care facility or that Mm -hmm. assisted living facility down the street. That's great. But you also have to to discuss, is there money to do that? There you go. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I've spoken at a place that uh, where the monthly rent is ten thousand oh. dollars. I'm not sure about you, but I don't have oh. that. So ten grand. Oh, what they doing in that place? <laughs> it's I, I I could send you some pictures that would blow you away. Oh, some of those places goodness. are just amazing. You know, there's one with a piano. You know, and you tell the piano like Alexa, Alexa. Play Benny and the Jets, and the piano will start to play Benny and the Jets. Oh, and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. Goodness. Well, that that, kind of place. right. Well, you know, that, you know, that's interesting, you know, cause, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I got a long time before I get there, but, uh, you know, what, Me too. you know, <laughs> long time, but you know, you are right. Having that family discussion about, you know, the, the other end of life, you know, people, yes. that is a conversation that never happens ever. Yes. And, it, and when it does happen, you, you knocking on the door. Of the end yes. of life. And so and we don't want to, we don't want that. So yeah, right. have that discussion. I love the parents who write out everything. This is where I want to be. This is the account the money is in. You sell the house, you do all these things and, and have all the written instructions. That's what you need. Because when we wait to the last minute, it usually doesn't go uh, nearly as well as it could. 
Right. Oh no. So yeah, that that is a great, great thing to 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 say. Now you you kind of cracked me up when your mom told told you and your sister. <laughs> I don't get what y'all do. I don't want to live with don't, them. Don't <laughs> My husband would have loved that. They were inseparable. He would have loved her. And, and I, you know, because I was raised in my grandparents' home and she lived with her parents most of her adult life. I, for some reason, I guess she had a negative, you know, connotation with that. She thought she interrupted their marriage, but she certainly did not. They felt exactly right. the opposite about it. We had a blast. Right. My grandfather did Girl Scout stuff with us and with me and all right. that. And so, yeah, it was a ball. So, but I, I was determined. Right to honor her wishes, and some of my friends would say, "Well, you know, you could move her in with you now, and she'd never know because she not only know does not know where she is, she doesn't know who, who I am." And, right. and so, right. but I would know. I would never do that right. because I would know. Right. I promised her, and it, your it, word. until a couple of years ago, she would tell you, "I live by myself," and her roommates like right here. <laughs> but they they don't they are so oblivious to each other. It is an amazing thing. Wow. To watch. That, yeah. that yeah, that disease is crazy, and really you know. Is. But you know, I admire you and your sister for what you just said about hey, we agreed, we gave our word. She wasn't mm-hmm. moving in with us. She wasn't moving in with us, and you know, and even to even today, before they even get there, a lot of folks. And I'm sure you've seen this. And now I'm not living with my kid. You know, right. I'm just not doing it. And, you know, what do you think that is when parents say that? I, I don't, I don't want to. It's all about independence. That's the word, independence. You know, you don't want to admit that you have to rely on others. And I think, you know, there's so many things, you know, out there today where, mm-hmm. you know, they could have someone come into their home and help mm-hmm. cook breakfast or get them dressed or do whatever without them ever having to leave their home. And so, you know, and without a lot of help from us. But those things, you know, do cost whether you have the person come, you know, for 24 hour care or three or four hours here and there just to make sure right. they take their meds and eat and those kinds of things. So I just want people to consider all the strategies. I don't have all right. the answers, but right. I certainly, you know, suggest how to prepare for these mm-hmm. kinds of things and to have that discussion. And then maybe as a family, people can uh, decide, you know, what the best option, there are many options right. out there. What is the best option and which of the options can you afford? There That's you how it plays out. Yeah, yes. yeah, you definitely got to put that one in now, you know, because because we all don't have it. But I like the fact that, you know, you bring that in there, that piece, the financial piece, because yes. uh, a lot of us are not in that $10,000 a month uh, area. And uh, exactly. and so, but there are places that ain't ten thousand dollars a month. So you don't that's get correct. that clear up front. That's you correct. know, there's <laughs> some places that's you correct. can get in. And that's why we chose a group home environment. They tend to be a lot less expensive, and you have to know the you know the person well enough to choose where they go. My mother, you know, <laughs> doesn't like a lot of people. She's very unlaredo like. She's right. not you know the extrovert or anything. So I knew a small environment would be great for her. So a group home is just like any other single family home. The layout of the home is very much like mine. They right. all sit around the table and eat together. Right. And you know they all say the same thing over and over. They don't know each other but they all right. sit together and have dinner and, and that's a wonderful thing. Well now I want to go to another part of that, which is, uh, uh, well, a lot of folks have heard this, even including I, that when you put your parents in a home like that, that, you know, there is a connotation that's out there that the, it's not a good place, that folks 
you know, not only take advantage of them, but mm-hmm. they just don't, uh, their health and everything is bad and it's just going yes. down here real fast. And yeah, that's, so, the res- that's usually the nursing home kind of environment that has like the really bad rap. I think the group homes, as long as you do your homework mm-hmm. and investigate, and I, I'll, I'll tell you how I, ch- how I chose. It sounds terrible, but it really is true. So I look at all the, my husband and I visited probably 10. Then we narrowed it to three. Then we went back to the three and we we went at all time hours of the day and night. I used to work yeah. starting at 6 a.m. There you go. I would go at 4 a.m. And so when people say you got eliminated, if your policy is please call us before you come over, that's code word for I'm going to get them all cleaned up before you show up. <laughs> so that, that got you off the list right away. Okay. I love that. If you can't show up at any time. And I mean, the one where my mother is Life Springs Elder Care, they have an activities director. They, my mother had a better social life than me. And so they would go on field trips. They went to the farm down the street and had homemade ice cream. And they would go, you know, different places to see different Good. things. The trip. Right. So that one was, and then when they weren't on the road, they do all kinds of activities um, inside the group home. Like they have this, uh, t- they used to have before COVID, of course, they had high tea. Everybody would wear the fancy hats. And they would, the residents themselves make the centerpieces and all that. So they do a lot of art and things like that. So you do have to pick the right one. That's for sure. Right. And as long as you come around a lot, you know, you don't have to worry about the care. They love my mother as much as I do for there. So that's the thing. It's right. amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> and so, so you automatically knew, well, hey, you know, I'm going to write this book. And because yes. I got to make, because I got to make some money. They have yes. pay for this. And yes. uh, so you didn't have to sit around and wonder, okay, how am I going to make some money? Because, you know, we can't really afford it. You you didn't have to sit around and think that. You knew. God put it in your heart, in your mind. Why don't you write a book? Even though you never written a book. You ever written a book before, Loretta? I had not ever? written a book before. But I knew I had to, as stressful as all of that was, the diagnosis, the how are we going to do, all that so I wanted other families to just avoid that. So the longest chapter in the book is really just about preparation, ah. you know, having the conversation, right. no, you know, at least starting a search for like the, even the decision we just talked about, whether right. they're a good candidate for these huge assisted living type communities where, mm. you know, they have 30 classes going on, right. at a, you know, in the day, right. and those kind of things. I knew my mother wasn't that person. You know, okay. where um, you go in and in a non-assisted living place and then you leave, you know, at the end of your life, you know, they had some of these communities go all the way up to hospice. You just right. keep moving place, but you never leave that community. So I knew that would probably be too big of an environment for you know, my mom. But I just want people to you know, sort of have the discussion. So being my mom's mom, which is the title of the book, was perfect because you switch roles for sure. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> the title of the book actually came from her. We were in a McDonald's. My mother was never in a McDonald's before dementia. Let me just say that. And so dementia really changes. So it was her favorite place all of a sudden. So, so we go all the time. Right. So my mother gets to the idea and I'm letting her be independent. So okay. when the cashier says, may I help you? My mother says, I'd like an apple pie, please. And the cashier <laughs> looks at me as if for permission. Like, is that all you're right. going to get? So I right. say to my mother, like any parent would say, right. you can have apple pie, but you have to eat all your lunch first. <laughs> And the oh cashier bursts out laughing, and my mother looks right at the cashier and says, I used to be her mom, and now she's mine. So that, there you go. There's the title of the book. 
Wow. Now, that is amazing. Folks need to go it get is. that book. They need to get that book, and it's in stores and every, wherever you can buy it at Amazon or whatever, right? Uh, yeah. Barnes & Noble. Okay, so folks can go get it. It's out there. So we're going to have that in the show notes so people can definitely go and get it because that's a great, great title. Not it a is. title, but it's a great book, and it's a book that people, all of us, need it's not one yeah that group you know this group don't need it but that group over there need it everybody need it because we all somebody birthed us somebody birthed us you know unless we were you know birthed in a little tube or something like that you know which right. is more likely you know all of us all of us had a mama <laughs> and all of us had a daddy now that didn't mean they always lived together but we had both of them so yeah. now now with that said so once you wrote the book now People got the book and they start calling you. Says, "Hey, would you come over here and tell us about yes. the book?" And yes. you know, we'll you know when you come over and we'll even pay you for coming over. Yes, here and tell us about it. that's exactly how that happened, did it? So yeah, and it uh, I went to a lot of um, caregiving type fairs. That's really how it started. I met a woman at one of these aging you know fairs where they have a lot of speakers and a lot of vendors you know mm-hmm. uh, giving out information or selling some product or whatever and uh, I met a woman who said exactly that I want you to come to my community and uh, speak to our support group perfect and so that's how I started and then it turned out um, the, the book ended up going in their warehouse and uh that wow. meant I became a national speaker for them. And who knew that was a thing? Wow. <laughs> a national yeah. speaker for a memory care community. And uh, it was amazing. And that was the start of it. And uh, I'm now a national speaker for three different uh, memory care uh, facilities. So I go around the community and do that. But I've also spoken to sorority groups who have Alzheimer's as a uh, cause mm-hmm. uh, to uh, church groups. And, you know, the thing about the, the fee I do want to say, you know, obviously I, I have a fee, however, uh, and, and some speakers will say, I would never speak for free. First of all, my mother didn't raise me that way. And if a church group, for example, you know, they need the information, I mm-hmm. certainly would go and speak for free and have done it. I've done right. lots of free things because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I have gotten significant paid uh, from events <laughs> from Every single free thing that I have done, without a doubt. And so my mother would just be thrilled that, you know, I've always, you know, given back. And whether it's two people that you speak to or, you know, or 2,000 people. And and so it's it's just important, you know, more than any dollar figure. It is so Uh important to get the information out there. That, you know, is is the key. And I still get emails from people who heard me speak years ago. And and one yesterday, somebody posted on the LinkedIn, my LinkedIn feed, which you could probably see. Hey, Loretta, her name's Caitlin. And and she said, I saw you speak in Cincinnati years ago. Oh, my goodness. And I still remember, you know, what you said. And, you know, I, I love following you and your mom on LinkedIn. And I just wanted you to know, okay, see, and I, I get all kinds of mail like that. And sometimes I don't remember your name right. or which event you, I've spoken in Cincinnati uh, oh, 10 times God. probably. I've been to Chicago 18 times. And so, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's hard to keep the audience straight or what conference it was. But when people say, I still remember what you said, preparation, 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 have a there plan and a backup plan. People can share that. Back. Oh, that be, my that's, my, that's my thing. Have wow. a plan. 
you know, and have a backup plan. Now, you know, he, here's the question probably coming out of the blue. You probably didn't hear. They see this one coming. And it wasn't in your bio or anything. But now, all this traveling around, were you a a girl? I like how you said that. <laughs> I'm a morning girl. So I'm just I'm a girl. You know, were you a person who liked to travel? Or you like, I don't want to do this traveling thing, you know. I mean, was, was this a hardship on you? Or you like, okay, let's go. I'm packed. I was let's gonna, ride. I'm, I'm a let's go person. And for the first 150, my husband went with me. And we were the traveling people. As a matter of fact, the second book, Refreshment for the Caregiver Spirit, is simply a book of photos from around the world that my husband and I took. And I added motivational sayings to lift caregivers up on their down days and the refreshment title (laughs) refreshment is my mother's favorite word so refreshment for the caregiver spirit and no no matter where i would take my mother she would say where are the refreshments i'm like girl i can't take you anywhere that's right i i I gotta eat something drink something you know (laughs) you know so that so we love to travel always love to travel so when when people say can you speak in like as long as the plane goes there you know that's right look at that and see now that you were, you know, that God just made that ready because he knew you were going to like travel. I mean, that was way before this all happened. And you said you've been doing this years. I mean, how many years you actually been doing this? Uh, 2014. 2014 is when so you I had started. My first, I, you know, everybody loves you at your church. So the first speaking thing I did was at my church. Yeah, have a luncheon kind of thing yeah. after church. And uh, that was in uh, April of 2013. The, the book came out in February. Mm-hmm. Of, of of 2013 and wow. so that was my first one and then i've been going you know ever so so the national contract the first one started in right at the beginning of 2014 so i've been on the road since 2014 and even you know it probably only took me 12 days or so to transition my presentations to zoom when covid right. hit right. so i've probably yeah, don't done <laughs> probably done maybe 90 on zoom since yeah. zoom started yeah. You know, that, that, you know, that is solely amazing. You're right. I mean, even if you didn't go to church, somebody's church would have called you. Somebody's church would have <laughs> But the good news is you did go to church. You do believe in, you know, God. And I'm, I'm right. sorry. And folks say, I try not to talk about God, man. Don't listen to my show because we're going to be talking about it. But anyways, the, uh, <laughs> what, you know, what I really admire and man, we, I'm looking at the clock. Oh my goodness. We haven't even no, got that's... into, we haven't even <laughs> got into most of the questions that I want to ask you, which that's a okay. lot of them is about you. You know, even though you became your mom's mom, love the title, love, love, love it. Yeah. And so we're going to put it in the show notes. And so, okay. and the other one too, we're going to put it in the show notes, have it down mm-hmm. here so people can find it, know what it is. But now, but, but before we get out of here, you know, I, I do want, I do want to ask a couple other questions. Sure. And, and one of them is that I saw somewhere in your bio, you talking about Lego fidgets. Lego, Lego, fidget, you know, little toy, you know, thing yes. for kids. Now, how in the world did that ever even come about, let alone how you used it, but how did it originally come up? Yep. Came about because when I was uh, five, my mother bought me my first set of Lego bricks. My mother taught me that I could build anything and I could be anything and I believed it. And so we spent hours and hours and hours building with Lego bricks. So fast forward, we did that all the way up until, 
you know, way through my high school years. And what I found is that my mother doesn't talk a lot. So when there was a difficult conversation, I would get the Legos out and she would share. So when she was diagnosed in 2006, you could just see it on her face. I mean, she was so upset. And so, but she didn't want to share how she felt. So I got home and we got the Lego bricks out and she started to share how afraid she was and that kind of thing. And it just continued. So what happened in in fast forward to 2014, when she no longer knew me, what was amazing to me was whenever you would get the Lego bricks out, that blank stare that they get, you know, they just stare straight ahead and, Uh you know, uh don't seem to be interacting in anything. But the minute you got the Legos out, she would come alive. And everybody came to see it. The Washington Post, the New York Times, we were in the PBS special. And you know, she was sitting there with this puzzle. Yeah. And then, you know, but you would get the Legos out. And then, you know, all of a sudden she would see this cameraman with this huge camera. You know, he had been in the house for two hours. And then when I got the Lego bricks, she had totally ignored him. Then when I got the Lego bricks out, she said, oh, no. Oh, my goodness. And he even said, I thought you made that up. But she comes right back like she's never been anywhere. Right. And it's amazing to watch. And so that's how, just to be honest, that is our only connection. And so here is one of Sid Pigeon Toys. It's got a little face. And they uh-huh. love the, the bright colors. And so you see it spins around. Right. And it's got the, the bottom spins. And I made them in all kinds of colors. Oh, and they really gravitate to bright colors. Purple, which I'm wearing, is the color of mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. So I made right. a lot of purple stuff, too. Yeah. But they really like to see... Um, that and so even today i'm making lego memory activities uh for them and puzzle pieces out of lego bricks that um really keep them engaged so i one of my um most (laughs) popular presentations at the moment is engaging activities for every alzheimer's stage i've done Mm. it 49 times since covid started because when adult daycare programs close people like ah loretta what am i doing with mama that's right. Oh, what am I going to do? Calling you. That's right. Well, you know, it, and it, that's a good thing that people know you and what you do. Because what you yeah. do, it ain't a gimmick. You know, it's real. Right. It is the real thing to help families try to stay together during Correct. this time. You know, because it's hard. You know, once they forget you, hard. they forget you. You know, it ain't like they trying to forget you it just happens and uh so that is so he calls me very nice person that's my name very nice person. when people say do you know who she is she's a very nice Nice person i know i know her she's a very nice person there you that's good enough for me because i know other parents that call their kids a whole lot of other stuff so (laughs) very nice person (laughs) that's good for me girl you are so very nice person you are yeah. so, uh, you know what? I'm looking at the clock and I hate looking at the clock, but I, I gotta look I'm... at the clock because we got to keep it short, keep it down. Yeah. But I tell you what, ain't no doubt about it. You got to come back because we need to I get will. the last part. So, we and, do. all right, can, now, now, here it is on tape. Are you coming back to the show? Yeah, I will be back. All right. We got it, Absolutely. folks. Y'all, y'all heard her right here on tape that she will be back. So now we got to get out of here today. So we got to okay. run. We got to run. Thank you, everybody, for coming. We appreciate y'all being here, but we got to go. But stay tuned. She's coming back. But before we leave today, y'all know how we do. We do a positive quote of today every time before we close the show. And yes. today is no different. We're going to have the positive quote. And uh, so before we get there, before we get there, Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because Extreme Carolina is committed to you, our listeners, to bring you leaders and newsmakers like Loretta here. 
that is passionate and purpose-driven and making a difference by listening to their stories. Extreme Carolina listeners will have the opportunity to refuel, reconnect, and get inspired. Folks, here it is. Quote of today. Give it a drum roll. Drum roll. That was a drum roll. So give us the quote of today, Miss Loretta. Yes, indeed. You cannot live a perfect day until you have done something for someone who cannot repay you. Uh, well, I hope y'all got that one. But anyway, we got to get out of here. Clock is tick, 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 ticking. But thank you, Loretta. We appreciate you. God bless you. And we will catch you. And we'll see everybody on the next show. Thank you. God bless. Peace. We out. <laughs>